Welcome to Catholic Family Matters with your hosts, Paul Kosinski and Betsy Lashley. A podcast where we share a little about our lives of faith in an effort to encourage families to live courageously Catholic lives, to love Jesus more, and to learn to see the divine in the everyday events of our family life. So come along with us to find encouragement, hope, and maybe a little laughter along the way. Because Family family matters. Matters. Today on CFM, we discuss art specifically sacred images and icons, and how we can use them to elevate our worship and to see truth, beauty, and goodness in the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Guide our hearts and minds and anoint our tongues so that we may speak the truth and glorify God with our conversation today. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. How about you spare me the chit chat? I'm going to take your uh, chit chat in the chitty chitty chat chat in, chat 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 in the chit chat. Okay, Paul, chit chat. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can cut that. I like that one. <laughs> Um, I took a walk with Karen Beck the other day and she said, yeah. every time you say that, he never cuts what you say. <laughs> so she's on to you, Paul. And she's our number one listener. So let's not make her mad. Is she really mad about it? Or was she giggling? Oh, she, when was, she's- she was so angry. Of course she was giggling. <laughs> Karen Beck doesn't get mad at anything. Anyway. Uh, okay. You got a chit chat for day or you want me to start? I'll go ahead. I guess I'll start. Okay. If you really want me to. Um, so uh, I think I mentioned last week that uh, I ran into some cousins, some relatives yeah. that live nearby. So we were going to meet them again with um, my parents. Yeah. Um, and, did you? Did you? Well, they got sick. So we <laughs> couldn't, my, my uh, cousins got sick. And so we couldn't, we couldn't meet with them. But we, my wife and I had a nice dinner with my mom and dad and and, uh, so did you take your food up to Bird on the Mountain? No, like, no. Oh, we, you bought we, stuff Well, there? we were going to buy stuff there. We we actually didn't end up staying because it was packed. Like, we couldn't find a place to park up there. Oh, man. Which, you know, it's it's pretty small parking lot area anyway. And, like, people were parked, like, out in the trees and, and stuff. And Who was the musical group? Was I, it, I don't were know. They, oh, it, maybe know it was the weather? No, because it was nice. It was, well, that's what it was I mean. Was, oh, yeah, Because yeah, the weather yeah, yeah, yeah. was so good, yeah, did a lot of people be. come? That could be. So we ended up going down to ha- into Hampton Cove and um, what's the place called Tortoras? I think it's an Italian restaurant over there. That um, oh, so we, you guys just had dinner together? Yeah, it was date di- night. Yeah, sweet. We uh, double dated. So, I want to yeah. see that in our show notes. Paul goes on a date night. I've recently been reading our show notes and how oh quirky you put them together. <laughs> Betsy floods Betsy, her dad's house. Betsy makes it rain like, indoors. Oh, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> Betsy makes it rain. I'm like. Whoa. <laughs> Paul goes on a date night with Jarsha. Yeah. That's what I want to see. All right. So what's been going on okay, with you, well, Betsy? I have a billion, but I'm going to limit myself. Just, just, just one. Okay. Well, if I just want to say if I can only do one. Okay. No, you, you can did only the do podcast one. thing and you listed like 75, so I still have to make up for that. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you one thing. We went to see Zach Brown in Birmingham on Sunday, and it was fantastic. Best show ever. He is such a great musician. Okay. So that's it. First thing, ZBB. Second thing, uh, I brought kibasa home from- The uh, real stuff? Oh, geez. I forgot you're Polish. The real- 
Oh, the real. So this this particular one is gonna make you mad, and I'm very sorry. I didn't realize I should not brag about this right in front of you. Okay, so yes, brought Kabasa home. I have two Michigan friends that live that are in my posse, and so I said, "Hey, just brought two, some just Kabasa home." Well, two that are from Michigan. You okay. cannot boast being from Michigan, but um, anyway, you are Midwestern, which yeah, yeah, yeah. brings joy to my heart. But anyway, I said we should have a Kabasa night. So anyway, we invited them over last night, Kabasa. My friend Tanya said, I'll make cukes or pierogies. What do you want? And I love the creamy cucumbers with the dill. So she made the creamy cucumbers with the dill. And then my friend Andrew said, well, I'll make capusta, which is like a sauerkraut type concoction. Uh And uh, Tanya brought rye bread. And then we had some wine. And oh my gosh, we sat down to dinner last night. And it was like home on a plate. And it was just the meal was so good. But the six of us sat around this very table that we're sitting at right now, and we chatted for over an hour about just all things. And it, we ended up talking about uh, marriage and annulments and different different Catholic topics that were very interesting. And there was a lot of different opinions and back and forth. And it was very it was very interesting and good. Yeah. And that sort of stuff just is what fills me up yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so I, my friend Tanya texted me this morning. She's like, Hey, you know, that conversation about annulment was pretty good. You should do a podcast topic on that. I was like, Hey, not a bad idea. Put it on the list. Yeah. So we'll put that on the list. But oh, anyway, gosh. so shout out to Tanya for her fantastic cucumbers and for her suggestion and to Andrew and Michelle for their capusta and just a great evening of, uh, food and fellowship. So, so personally I would have held out for the pierogi, but, uh, I know oh, it was a touching. Gosh. Oh, we did have fried potatoes too. Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, mm. last it time, was such a good meal. Uh, like the last time I had real kibasi, um, we were in. So I think we were in New York for my grandma's funeral, and my aunt knew the the uh, deli just down the street, the Polish deli just down the street yeah. from where my grandma lived. And oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. Well, and that's why right before we left, we went and got six links, like yeah. which is like six pounds. And, yeah. and we had a barrel curl from my dad. And I'm like, we got to stop forgetting to buy this because it's so good. Um, and we had, oh. we just enjoyed that meal so Dang. much. Oh, gosh, it was good. Nice. Very nice. Have you found Jesus yet? No. I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. So. And our topic is iconography the most boring word in the whole (laughs) world okay so i'm gonna start with a funny story because i was on facebook the other day and you know how you see memes as you scroll through facebook or whatever and this one was a person like in an old-timey room it was an old photo sleeping in like a twin bed pushed against the wall and there was a huge crucifix above the bed and the caption was why i don't like to stay overnight at grandma's house (laughs) I thought it was just kind of funny um, because so often we have Catholic art in our homes, especially as you get older, you seem to have more. Cause like when I was first married, I probably had like one crucifix that my parents gave me and it was probably on the wall, maybe in the bedroom, maybe somewhere else. I don't know. And now I have much more Catholic art in my home. Right. And I tend to give Catholic art as a wedding gift as well, too, because right. I, I think that it's really cool for young people to have Catholic art in their homes, especially if they're Catholic. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I bring this topic up because I think Catholic art is actually 
a more interesting subject. And what is your favorite type of Catholic art? Why do we have Catholic art? What is the purpose of it? And sometimes Catholics get a little knocked because, or criticized is what I mean by that. We get a little criticized because we put such an emphasis on art. If you go to Italy or the Vatican or to, you know, churches, there is a lot of art. And so I think the purpose of this podcast is really to talk about why do we have that art? Um, what is What are icons mm-hmm. specifically? Right. And um, why does the church use them? So hit it, Paul. All right. So let's, let's go back to what does iconography mean? What is iconography? So we, we look at uh, the root of the word iconography, that icon. And in the Greek, we have the word icon that means likeness or image. And so traditionally, when we think of an icon, we think of the Eastern um, Catholics or Eastern Orthodoxy mm-hmm. and, and their images of, of God, Jesus, the Trinity, the saints, um, where it's, um, I don't know quite how to describe it, but it's, it's not like a, like a, like when you, when you think of an artist draw, rendering of something, you know, it's not, it's, it's a little, you, you I don't know how to explain it because you can tell the difference between an icon and like regular art, regular like sac- regular sacred art. Um, like if you look at a statue of Mary and you see the face of a young girl, right? Or if you look at an icon, you see more of a almost like a caricature of. I don't know if that's the right word, but well, it's, it's not a flat template typically, right? It, well, it can be. See, it's hard to explain, isn't it? It really is. Well, so I'm thinking about the one that I have over there on my shelf. Uh-huh. And so that that came from when my when I was very, very young, in my 20s, I had a friend who was Greek, very traditional mm-hmm. Greek. And she got married when we were friends and worked together. And when she got married, she must have received 50 icons as a gift. Oh, wow. And they are all on a wood. They were They were very different. All of them were different. But she gave me one. She gave me one as a gift. And it came in a, on a black piece of wood, and then the, the Virgin Mary on it was almost in bas-relief. It was mm-hmm. a little bit raised from the surface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have treasured that icon forever. It's made out of silver, so it kind of oh, wow. um, tarnishes right, a little bit, right, right, so right. it has to kind of be cleaned. Uh, but that's what I think of mm-hmm. when I think of icons. But if you, there's a store that I use often and in the campus ministry house, we probably have 10 of them. Mm-hmm. It's called monastery icons and they are flat mm-hmm. and they are pictures that have a very unique style. Right. Right. And I can't really explain it, but so it, look it up if you've never yeah. seen icons or if you don't know what they are. And it's typically the art that you see on like a, a saint card. If, if you pick up a saint card, uh, especially if it's the saints much older, yeah, um, you know, like Saint Christopher. Ooh, or, well, that reminds me, our mother. You can delete that. No, our mother of perpetual help is one of my favorite saints, and she is an icon. So if you see her image, that is an icon. Okay. So if you can picture that in your mind, I don't know. It's we're using audio here, so yeah. it's very hard to yeah, make yeah, someone yeah. picture something. Yeah, but. Try to put a couple pictures in our uh, show notes, maybe yeah. or a link. Can or something. we do that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if we can put pictures, but yeah. Yeah. Um. So the reason we have icons, the reason we have sacred images, um, along with icons, um, is really you know we talked about the um, the three transcendentals, 
Did I say that right? Transcendentals. Transcendentals. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I didn't have it written down. So you I wasn't did. sure. What I said. Quiz time. What are the three <laughs> transcendentals, right. Paul, right. for 100 points? The good, the beautiful, and the true. Correct. All right. So, so when you think about imagery, um, you, you, we usually think about the beauty of the image. You know, how does it evoke feelings in what we see? And that leads us to both goodness and truth. Um, through that beauty. So, yeah. so we use, we use sacred imagery, um, icons and the like to help elevate what we see through the three transcendentals. Exactly. I love the way you said that. That's fantastic. Um, what is good, beautiful, and true. They orient us to that. Um, and in the image and likeness, that's that word icon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I was trying to think as we were talking I was thinking, what is the, like, if I had a teenager here and I said, hey, what's what's an icon to you? I wonder if in the minds of of other people that an icon might be like Marilyn Monroe is an icon. Right. Um, right. Or FDR or JFK is an icon of the presidency and Marilyn Monroe is a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. Or um, the queen is royalty. Right. She's an image of royalty, an right. icon of royalty. That's another use of that word. Uh, and so we as Catholics use iconography as a way of helping us see those people that are very meaningful in our lives, that raise our awareness to things of God. Right. right. Okay. That was just kind of a thought. A well, but it, it kind of leads of. into... Um, you know, we when we talk about theology of the body, we talk about the human, the human, the humanness of us, male and female, are made in the image and likeness of God. So, in a sense, we as human beings are icons of God. Anybody? I hear a bunch of minds blowing out there. That was my mind blown right there. Okay. You're, you're right. That is exactly true. So one of the the subtopics that we have in this thing too is that the question comes to mind if you're thinking about images and the way that you see images and how important that is to us. And we kind of talked about this last week with modesty right. in the human right. body. So what makes, um, what is the difference between icons and idols? Because do you make an idol of something? And, uh, you know, often people ask us, do you worship Mary? Do you worship the saints? And, and obviously our right. answer is, even though it's very misunderstood by the general public and often by some Catholics, <laughs> right. we actually don't worship saints and we don't worship Mary because worship is alone for God. Right. But we reverence them in a very strong way, right. um, and they are often depicted in our Catholic art. So what is the difference between an icon and an idol? Right. So um, real quickly, too, before we get into that, that reverence and prayer are much different than worship. That's just... I mean, you, you were kind of touching on that. I just want to make sure that that point's clear. But um, to, to answer your question, probably one of the, probably one of the easiest examples to use is probably... Um, if you look at the use of pornography as imagery, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of, it's, you know, we can, we can look at that and, um, Oh, let's see. What do I have here? So, um, so 
through pornography, images can be used in a perverted way in that, um, you know, if we look at the, the, the root of the word pornography, pornevo, um, you know, it means to fornicate. Um, and so we can, you know, that's typically when you look pornography, you're looking at, um, sexual images or images of naked people for sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, and that, that's where part of that, um, the root of that word, you know, comes from to fornicate. But you also, if you look at the ancient Greek, it also meant to practice idolatry. So when, you know, I found that kind of interesting. And, and there's an article that, that we have on this. Um, and I'll, I'll put that in the, uh, a link to that in the show notes. Um, you know, we use, you know, using pornography is using sex and se- our sexuality to satisfy ourself. Whereas, which is idolatry, whereas using, um, sacred images and, um, iconography help elevate our minds and our spirits towards God. And that's, that's the difference between idolatry and actually worshiping God. Okay. So say that one more time. An icon helps to elevate your mind towards God, but an idol can be... It's self-serving. Self-serving, yeah. Okay, which is definitely kind of what we talked about with modesty and with right. we've always talked about that with pornography. Right. So the question that is answered in this article that you're going to post the link to, iconic, iconic, iconography. Iconography, wow. I was the first one to do it. That was so yes. weird. I could not pull that word out. Iconography and pornography, what makes the reverence of icons, not idolatry, but the use of pornography to be idolatry that really, you just answered that question. Right. Uh, iconography raises your mind to God right. and pornography leads you to a self service of your own ego or right. needs it, it, or lust. It puts you ahead of God. Yeah. And, and we, we asked that question last week as well too, was can, can naked images or something, something to this effect, can naked images be reverent? Yeah. Or be modest. Yeah. Can last week, so. can a naked person be modest and could a fully clothed person be immodest? Right. And yeah. so, and so this week we ask a similar question, can a naked person elevate you towards God? And it can be, you know, there's, you know, sacred imagery can, you know, again, is that imagery not used in a sexual way, Right. So it, it can elevate you towards um, towards the worship of God. Yeah. I was surprised how much this train of thought reminded me of our modesty conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because again, the sum total of that was that if you love other human beings, you don't want to pull them away from God with your body or your, you know, them lusting after your own image. Uh, you want to draw them to virtue. Right. And icons that beauty would draw you towards God, which is a really good thing. Um, C.S. Lewis says, uh, do I venerate or objectify? And when we talk about modesty and about pornography, objectification is one of the big things like that you use a person. And it's, this is probably one of the worst things that you can do in the world is to use another person for your own purposes. Uh, and that defines, um, lust, 
and mm-hmm. pornography. You're using yep. the image of another person for your own purposes. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting. Um, there, there are a couple of things I want to point out um, back on um, iconography and sacred scripture that the, the catechism talks about. Um, the first one is in uh, um, paragraph 1159. It says, The sacred image, the liturgical icon, principally represents Christ. It cannot represent the invisible and incomprehensible God, but the incarnation of the Son of God. The incarnation of the Son of God has ushered in a new economy of images. And I, you know, that's that that one kind of struck me because, you know, we when we think about, you know, pre um, pre incarnation of Jesus, you know, that God was always invisible and he was never, you know, he's always you know, maybe, you know, except for the burning bush, but, um, you know, there was never anybody who really saw, saw God and, and, you know, come Jesus Christ, you know, Mary's yes. And, and, you know, Mary gives birth to Jesus. We have a human image of God and something that, you know, humans can see with their own eyes. And, um, you know, I thought that was a great, um, you know, this, this paragraph is a great way to explain, you know, the, the imagery that God gives us. And going back to your initial point, mm-hmm. we are made in the image of likeness of God. Therefore, each and every one of us is an icon. Right. right. Because when I see you, I should see Christ in you. And, I, you know, on the, we're just getting ready for the Mother Teresa movie to mm-hmm. come out. And one of her famous quotes is, I'm going to bang, I'm going to mangle it. But it basically is You're every person. Yeah. Every person that I meet is like Christ to me. Mm-hmm. That was how she treated people. It didn't matter if they were dead, dying, which most of her pe- the people that right. she served were. Right. They were dirty, gross. Dis- she saw Christ in them, and yep. she treated them like they were Christ. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that is, I, I just think that's a beautiful thought for us to leave people with, is that each and every person is an icon mm-hmm. of God. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's reiterated here um, in the, ne- the next paragraph in the Catechism in uh, 1161. Um, it says all, all the signs of the liturgical celebration are related to Christ as our sacred images of the Holy mother of God and to the saints as well. They truly signify Christ who is glorified in them. They make manifest the cloud of witnesses who continue to participate in the salvation of the world and to whom are, we are united above all in sacramental celebrations. And I, I just, that, that's that when I read that, I just like, Oh my gosh, I, you know, <laughs> all this from imagery, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, it just kind of blows me away. So I think that's really cool. So, um, I, you brought up, we, because we are family oriented in our approach to, um, everything that we do, how does this impact our families, this use of sacred art and, in in my home, we've always tried to have things around. Mm-hmm. I, I want people to walk into my house and know exactly where I stand. Right. Uh, but in teaching our our young people and our family members about sacred art, I think that's a really very important part of raising young people, right. so that they begin to appreciate it the same way that we do. Um, and you found the coolest form of prayer for <laughs> us. And I, I know we talk about prayer a lot. But I think if you appreciated our talk on Lexio Divina, if you appreciated some of the other stuff that we do, this one is super cool. And I can't take any credit for it because you really found it. Yeah, I just I happened upon it by accident. I was I was looking up. And um, is it in was it in Busted Halo? Busted oh, Halo. Busted yeah. Halo. Followed yeah, yeah. Dave Dwyer is one of my favorites. Um, Busted Halo is a show that is on Sirius XM, 
And Father Dave Dwyer uh, is the one who uh, leads that, and he'll often talk about different things. So he starts, this is this topic is called Praying With Your Eyes, How to Get Started with Visio Divina. Instead of Lexio right. Divina, it's right. Visio Divina. So tell us about that. Part. Well, I, I, I want to see if you want to go through the steps real quickly on that, because you've actually been through this before, right? You, you... I, I, I d- yes. Yes, I have. I've, I've never I've, done this before. So yeah, I, I had a, a, a former focus missionary that came would come in. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Nick Smith. I should say Nick, uh, Nick and Dylan Jedlovec do oh, the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. colloquium, colloquium podcast. Yeah. They're good friends. But whenever Nick comes to talk, he loves to do this. He's done it for my campus ministry group. He's done it for good news and cold brews. He'll actually bring in a picture because he loves sacred art and he will bring in the picture and he will put it in front of us and he'll say, okay, now just take a few minutes look at the picture and tell me a word or phrase that comes to mind as you look at the picture. And we just talked with the students about what they saw, Mm -hmm. what the images might mean, what the artist was maybe trying to represent. And, and father Dave's he's got, he's got several steps here. Um, and it doesn't, I don't think it always is necessarily sacred art. He mentioned several things, several things, photos, um, scripture verses art or something like that um so there yeah. the, the his steps are just a little bit different but yeah and I will, I will i will give a warning too there were um in in finding this when i actually found the the visio divina um and I, I went and actually researched what that was the first handful of sites that came up were actually like protestant sites and not not necessarily catholic so i, I did find busted halo among them but um just just be careful because some of those might, you know, because like, you know, things like yoga aren't necessarily good for Christians to practice. And so some of, some of these uh, other websites might lead you astray if you go uh, searching for that. But um, we'll post a link for the Busted Halo article up there. And, and yeah, he does he does talk about just, just images in general and what kind of um, feelings that they invoke in yeah. you. So, yeah. So Father Dave starts his up out his his visio divino with a prayer, um, and the suggestion that he gives is, "Please help me to choose the right inspiration for today, so that you can speak to me." Uh, how is that art going to speak to you? Uh, the next thing he says is, "Choose your inspiration." Uh, you might have an online source of images. Uh, something that catches your eye, a photo, a note card. And that's what you use to kind of guide your mind. Uh, and then you consider your first impressions, let your eyes stay with the, the very first thing you see in your chosen image, a small detail of a color and consider what thoughts come into your mind and what emotions you're feeling. Ask God to speak to you through what you've noticed and take time to listen. Listen, uh, And he suggests maybe about five minutes to do that. And again, that's always a good part of prayer is where you contemplate a little bit. So the next step he has is pay attention to your thoughts and feelings. Consider the picture as a whole, what it uh, catches your attention and how the entire image makes me feel, whether it provokes any questions or stirs up memories. And sometimes a verse of scripture may come to mind. And when you do that, then you listen for God's voice. That's the next step. 
And you're, I'm sure you're seeing as we go through this, the similarities to Lectio Divina. Um, but this is visual. So this is the silent part where you think carefully about the messages from God that may be coming to you and how you respond to God. You may want to journal this part, uh, or you may even, for creative people, it may create help in them to create a piece of art themselves by drawing, doodling, sketching. Um, and then the last step is responding. Um, praying through what you've experienced and asking God to be with you throughout the rest of your day. Uh, and again, with the Visio Divina, you can post this picture somewhere in your house or whatever so that you can be reminded of it throughout the day, which I think is really cool too. Uh, so if you feel uh, like this is something, a type of prayer that might um, be something that you'd like to try, again, those steps are find your inspiration, open with a prayer, uh, consider your first impressions, pay attention to your thoughts and feelings, listen to God's voice and respond. So that's Visio Divina. Very cool, Paul. Thank yeah, you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Makes me wonder if there's a... Uh... I just looked up the Latin, the Latin for uh, audio uh, is audir. So audir. Uh, I wonder if there's an audir divina. Yeah. Um, as well. But isn't that like guided meditation? Have you ever done guided meditation? Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, mm-hmm. I love it as a form of prayer. That's another when it's course. done well. Yeah. Um, and I there's a couple people that do it really well too. Um, what is his name? Father Mark Toops does it often. He's uh, a Cajun priest down somewhere in Louisiana hmm. and he has done some advent reflections on in its audio guided oh. meditation. Yeah. It's really extraordinary if you've never done guided meditation. That might be a good topic one time too, but And now deep thoughts. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. This past Wednesday, we had another recognizable gospel reading from Luke. It's a short one, so let me read it to you. As Jesus and his disciples were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. Jesus answered him, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. A couple of reflections I read based on this gospel reading really got me to thinking. The first one asked the question, Which of these three men are you? The first one where Jesus warns that he has no place to call home. The second one who wants to bury his father before following Jesus, or the third one who wants to go say goodbye to his family and friends before following Jesus. I've never been posed this question regarding this gospel passage. Unlike the story of the prodigal son, where we constantly ask ourselves, who are we in this story? And every time I read it, it changes from one to the other. The theme with all three of these men is that they put things before God, comfort, business, and others. I know what you're thinking. But Paul, one of the corporal works of mercy is to bury the dead. I know, I know. Jesus isn't asking us not to bury our dead. He just wants us to put him in front of all things, including our affairs. So back back to the question. Who are we in this story? Well, if I'm being honest, I'm all three. 
As I contemplate my day, there doesn't seem to be a time where I don't put at least one of these things ahead of God. You know, wanting to stay in bed in the morning um, with my warm, comforted blanket over me or um, choosing to do work uh, as opposed to setting aside some time for God or wanting to just hang out with my kids or, or my family um, instead of um, getting on my knees in prayer. In the other reflection I read, it says that it's as simple as pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Simple, yet difficult. They go on to quote St. Vincent de Paul when he says, Perfection consists in one thing alone, which is doing the will of God. For according to our Lord's word, it suffices for perfection to deny itself, to take up the cross, and to follow him. Now who denies himself and takes up his cross and follows Christ better than he who seeks not to do his own will, but always that of God? Behold, how little is needed to become a saint. Nothing more than acquiring the habit of willing on every occasion what God wills. Simple, right? Well, God knows that we will fail and drop our crosses and turn away from him from time to time. That's why we have the sacrament of confession. I know, at least for me, the sacrament can be utilized a little more frequently. So let us take up our cross, his yoke, because it is light and does not burden, and come back to the loving arms of God as we follow Christ Jesus. All right, Betsy, what song do you have for us today? Okay, I have um, an interesting song. Wasn't quite, I, I did have one that I wanted to put out there today, and then this morning I did um, one of my meditations, God Minute, and they used this song by um, a second. So I'm, you're gonna, I'm going to have you post this from two different uh, artists. It's, okay. Psalm, it's a song based on Psalm 34. Okay. And the one that I'm going to have you play is by Shane and Shane. And it's it, the subtitle is Taste and See, because the psalm, you'll recognize it as Psalm 34, Taste and See the Goodness of the Lord. Um, but this morning in the, in the God Minute, they used the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, also a very cool rendition of this song. Uh, but I think it uh, speaks to our topic today because of the way that this Psalm goes. So these are some of the words of the Psalm. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from every fear. Those who look on him are radiant. They'll never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies. The son of God surrounds his saints. He will deliver them. Magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name together. Glorify the Lord with me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, bless us here who hides in him. Never be ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard me. And saved me from my enemy. The sun.
So the refrain of the song is glorify the Lord with me. And I think that that speaks directly to icons and that in all things, whatever we do, we should glorify God. And so the, the song is beautiful. If you love this Psalm, like I do, you'll, you're really going to love the song. So take a listen to both versions of it. Cause one is a little bit more modern and the other one is a little bit more um, traditional, but very cool, very cool songs. So take a listen. All right, so our closing prayer today comes from the uh, St. Therese of Lissa Novena, which um, today as we're recording is day nine. Um, So I guess that means that tomorrow is her feast day. Let's begin in the name of the Father, Father and the Son, and the the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. I love your people, Lord. Help me to love them more. I reflect you to the world, Lord. Help me to reflect you more clearly. I rely on you, Lord. Help me to rely on you more. I accept your will, Lord. Help me to accept your will every day. I try to forgive, Lord. Help me to forgive 70 times 7 times. I am humble, Lord. Give me more humility. I see you, Lord. Help me to see you more. I trust you, Lord. Help me to trust you more. I love you, Lord. Help me to love you more. Amen. Amen. Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Catholic Family Matters. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listener iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. Join us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at Cath Fam Matters. Check out our website at www.catholicfamilymatters.com. Send us comments, topic ideas, or encouragement at our email, feedback at catholicfamilymatters.com.